0: Hello and welcome to Teaching English with the British Council Series 2,
1: a podcast in which we try and provide solutions to some of the key questions being asked by English teachers around the world.
0: Teaching English with the British Council. We are your
1: hosts, we am Hamdan and Chris Salton. In each episode, we address one such question and attempt to answer it in two ways.
2: English. With the British
1: Council. In the first part of each episode, we hear from a British Council project, programme or publication about something which is being done to address this issue.
0: Across the ten episodes of Series Two, we'll hear from teachers, trainers and researchers in a wide range of contexts, including Ukraine, Romania, Egypt and the United Kingdom. Teaching English with the British Council.
1: In the second part, a leading English expert and practitioner will provide practical solutions which you can immediately try out wherever you work.
0: Each episode of Teaching English is accompanied by a full transcript and show notes. These show notes provide additional information, a glossary of keywords and links to relevant websites.
2: Teaching English with the British Council.
1: Episode 1. How can we use football to teach English? Hello and welcome back to Teaching English with the British Council. I'm your host from Series 1, Chris Salton, but for Series 2, I'm delighted to say that I am the co-host, as sitting alongside me is Weyam Hamdan, and we'll be presenting this series together. Welcome, Weyam.
0: Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here and to be co-hosting this podcast. Well, um,
1: perhaps you could say a few words about yourself for our listeners by means of introduction.
0: I'm a Palestinian researcher at the moment. I'm studying at the University of Cambridge for my PhD in education. And previously, I've done a master's in comparative and international education at the University of Oxford. And I worked at the British Council as a teacher and teacher educator for seven to eight years.
1: Fantastic. So lots of experience to draw on for this series. And I also know that you're an avid listener to Series 1 of Teaching English with the British Council. So what can our listeners in Series 2 expect?
0: So in Series 2, we're going to cover lots of different topics that might be of benefit for educators and English teachers who are working in different contexts. We try to cover different topics from football to taboo issues And hopefully our listeners will enjoy it.
1: Fantastic. And if you did miss any of Series 1, you can access it via your usual podcast provider or from the British Council website, www.teachingenglish.org. So given that it is the World Cup, the Men's World Cup, we thought it would be good that our first episode is focused on football and in particular how it can be used positively to teach English and languages more generally.
0: And in our first field report of this series, we are going to hear about the British Council's Premier Skills programme, which you can discover more about at org. That's
1: right. And our thanks to Jack, Tahir, Renan and Mohammed, who have kindly shared their experiences of creating and using all the materials on the Premier Skills website.
0: Teaching English with the British Council.
3: Premier Skills is a collaboration between the British Council and the Premier League that trains coaches and referees around the world. The focus is on grassroots and community coaching and on developing coaches and referees so they can become trainers themselves. The programme's been running for 15 years since 2007 and in 2008, thanks to a very passionate football-loving English teacher and manager at the British Council, Premier Skills English was launched, and that's the part of the project that I work on. Premier Skills English is a website with football-themed resources for teachers and learners of English. Some of the resources are designed around Football English, the language that people use when they're playing or watching football, and the rest of the resources are more general English language learning materials that use football and stories and ideas from the world of football. Football's a good vehicle because it's highly motivating for football fans. The Premier League in particular is really powerful, as there are so many clubs with international supporters. Also, I think that footballers can be good role models for learners, partly because they have to learn English when they come to the UK, and also more generally, as they work so hard to get where they are. We have an amazing community on the Premier Skills English website, Some of our learners are really passionate and complete every activity on the website. The community is quite small, but they're from all over the world and they give us really lovely feedback and really seem to enjoy the materials on the website.
4: I hope all is well with you. I'm Tahir Koshin, and I live in Mogadishu, the capital of Somalia. Well, when you are teaching English through football, You are not only teaching English, but you are also teaching geography, culture, and social interaction. And nowadays, most young men and women are interested in sports. So they believe football brings them together as a family. It promotes good behavior for a better society. Therefore, they can easily learn English while they are still following their hobbies.
2: I'm Renan, I'm 26 years old, and I work with Business Intelligence and I live in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I think football is good for teaching English because it's a sport that almost everybody in the world likes it, as well as
4: being something fun and interesting to talk about. In the materials, I like the exercises that are proposed and the way it makes us think and exercise our skills in English.
5: This is Mohammed Gunaym. I'm originally from Egypt, but I've been teaching in Turkey for seven and a half years well i do think football is good for teaching english for the kids because you know everybody nowadays they do have a favorite team and favorite players in the premier league so whenever this subject pops up in our lessons they always talk about the likes of ronaldo marcus rushford Salah, harry kane and all those famous players so i do think it's really good and it's important for you to take advantage of this love for the game and you can use it during your lessons if we have the the football club as well so it helps a lot to improve the levels in english so mostly i like to use the vocabulary section like the football phrases section i do like the series of angry albert and the kids they like it as well on the other hand i like to use the some of the expressions and idioms that are used by people from different centers in the U.K. So it's really interesting for the kids to know the difference between dialects, how they pronounce words and phrases, how, the, how they are using these kind of things differently. Like one of the most interesting words that when you speak with a Scouser accent and you say, how are you? And they say, I'm sound. And when I told them that sound here means I'm fine or I'm alright, that was really surprising for them.
3: There are loads of really interesting resources on the website. But if I had to pick a couple of favourites, I'd have to go for the Premier Skills English podcast and the webcomics. The Premier Skills English podcast has been going since 2015. Now there are over 700 episodes, so you can find a Premier Skills English podcast on most English grammar topics. Rich left the project about a year ago, so I'm making them on my own now, which is not quite as much fun. But we've had almost 10 million listens, so I'm not giving up. The other materials I really like are the webcomics. I wrote to the Premier Skills managers and asked them to talk to the coaches they worked with, to ask them about challenges that their coaches had faced and what solutions they'd come up with. I collected their stories together and, where possible, copied them onto a, a 12-page story outline about a local football club and their coach. I then shared these stories with illustrators in Indonesia and Brazil and they interpreted them and turned them into comics. I wanted the experiences of the, the Premier Skills coaches illustrated in a way that would make sense in Indonesia and Brazil and I don't think that the stories would have worked if I'd asked artists in the UK. So now on the website, there are two versions of the same webcomic. The main stories are quite similar, but the different interpretations are really interesting. I think they're really cool.
0: This is an interesting piece, and I personally used English Premiere when I was a teacher, an English teacher. And what I found really beautiful about English Premiere and now the comics is that it provides this space to contextualize language which is very important for English language teachers and you can also do a holistic you know lesson from listening maybe sometimes speaking different skills and also the chance to practice vocabulary and practice also grammar in a contextualized manner.
1: How did your students find it when you used the materials with them?
0: I think they're more attentive because they like the topic, so they don't feel that I'm purely teaching grammar or purely teaching uh, vocabulary, so they feel that this is integrated. And it also gives them this um, chance to compare between cultures, so it provides a comparison element to it, uh, which is very nice for students.
1: Right, way, well, well, given this is our first episode, I have created a short vocabulary quiz for you. But I'm going to test you specifically on your football vocabulary. Okay. So question one, when in a game, would a last gasp goal be scored?
0: Oh, my God. Have to Google this, Chris. Need no. some help. Well, what do you think
1: gasp is? The word gasp? Gasp, like, as in yeah. gasp. And when do you take your last gasp? When you die. Yeah. <laughs>
0: when you die
1: yes <laughs> so when do, so using that knowledge when do you think a last gasp goal would be scored
0: at the you know verge you know and you just want to win and you win and then you gasp maybe
1: yeah so it's at the at the very end of a game it's yeah the last gasp yeah. the goal is at the very end of a game okay we'll give you i think we'll generously give you half a point for that
0: all right not
1: <clears throat> bad Question two, what is the minimum effort that you are expected to make in a game of football in percentage terms?
0: A minimum effort? Yeah. Should be maximum effort, no?
1: No, minimum (laughs) effort. So as a percentage, managers, football managers will often say you've got to give X number of percent in a game of football.
0: 90? Higher. 100%? Higher. Oh, 101. 110? <laughs> no, 110. 110.
1: Yeah, which doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense. You, so you are expected to make a 110% effort. So more than is actually possible That's in a, a game lot. of football. Yeah, it is a lot. It's now more I
0: sympathize is. with football players oh, more. You,
1: exactly, yeah. Okay, question three. Come on, there's no point. So you've got half a point so far, William. Come on. So complete this football phrase with the correct animal. I am so upset we lost. I feel sick as a... Is it A, dog, B, monkey, C, parrot, or D, hippo? I
0: feel sick as a dog. I would say dog.
1: Okay. You'd be wrong. Do you want another guess?
0: Mm, Maybe a hippo?
1: You'd be wrong. Do you want another guess?
0: (laughs) Parrot? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Yes!
1: we'll give you another half a point there so sick as a parrot <laughs> yeah. okay. okay you get this one right way i mean you can get half marks so when i pl- i used to play football honestly
0: you but used to play football i did
1: used to play football wow. yes yeah wow exactly, yeah <laughs> my nickname when I was captain of my university team was chop or chopper why
0: chop or chopper mm used to Chop someone. (laughs) Cut them into
1: pieces. Yes. Yeah. I was like a a winner. Well, winner or some people call me a dirty footballer who used to tackle people and not always very successfully and and sort of hurt their legs. So I had the nickname Chop or Chopper. So we'll give you that point. So we'll say you got two out of four way, which is
0: That's not bad. It's I
1: mean it's yes, it's not bad. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you, Chris. But I think we should move on to the interview now. Our interview this week is with Damien Fitzpatrick, who is the founder of LanguageCaster, a website which helps students interested in football improve their English language skills. You can visit languagecaster.com, language, C-A-S-T-E-R to practice your English using lots of free language resources, including football language podcasts and our huge football language glossary. Welcome, Damien. We're so happy to have you today.
2: First of all, thank you for inviting us onto the show. It's great.
0: And what's
1: been the reception initially by your students in Japan and subsequently why do people like using football as a way of learning English?
2: I think for the students in Japan, they actually, at the time, it was the first World Cup after the Japanese World Cup of 2002. So there was a real interest about Japan performing in another World Cup. And so the students were really interested in this kind of global event and then at the same time when they were actually asked to participate they were like so we can go out and ask questions to people we can find out about this they realized then they could use their own kind of football knowledge of football or language japanese language to kind of describe it so i think the fact that it's i mean it's massive even if you don't like football you're aware of football you know it's there you can access it on multiple platforms i mean back in 2006 you know we couldn't access it so well but now it's on everybody's phone all the time it's there so you have some kind of an opinion on it and I think I think one thing that's quite interesting as well is this idea of kind of people we we focus on English of course but really other students can kind of use their own languages as a resource to kind of discuss language uh, sorry discuss football and I think that's something that we started to tap into a little bit more which has been really really useful really good actually
0: so how can teachers use these resources from Language LanguageCaster in a classroom?
2: We really thought that, okay, here's some listening. We try to make it as authentic as possible, people talking about the game. It wasn't structured, it wasn't written out. We kind of follow a rough plan, but we don't read out a transcript that's been tailor-made for learners. We thought, okay, there's going to be teachers out there or learners out there who'll be able to look at this transcript, which we provide each week, listen to it, And then do different things that they can with it so different students will look at this and say i'll just focus on this part or different parts they can actually look at initially we decided to do worksheets we have no time to do that anymore but what we were looking at is for example listen to this particular part of the podcast Look for the main ideas, so quite top-down listening style, and then also focus on the more bottom-up aspects of it as well. Listen for this, listen for this grammatical, lexical, phonological kind of item or structure. But we, we try to do workshe- uh, worksheets now, but we just don't have the time. But they're all there on the website that people can go along and have a look um, we also have a forum which is great so people are starting to come onto the forum to ask questions about language how it's used what it means uh, which is really nice and it's starting to actually happen where students again are asking and comparing football expressions in english with their expressions in their own language which i think is great
1: that's an interesting can you give an example of of the equivalences of a of an english phrase and a, and a phrase from a different language
2: yeah absolutely well we encourage listeners to the podcast to send in kind of any interesting football expressions that they know in their own languages or any other languages that they have. So recently, we did a piece on the top corner. The ball went right into the top corner. And so in England, some people use the phrase top bins. And then from there, listeners from different parts of the world have sent in their own kind of expressions. And we had one from a Czech fan who, and I apologize for my poor Czech pronunciation, was Šibenicek which is the gallows, uh, which is <laughs> quite dark, uh, while an Italian fan wrote in and said there were two. There was one called the, the Seven, because it looks like a seven, but the other one was, uh, again, apologies for my Italian, sotto l'incrocio, which means below the cross. But I also know in Brazil they, they call it the place where the owl sleeps, so there's lots of wow. different. The owl is on a on a branch at the top of the. So there's so many different ways of doing it, and these kind of things I think are really interesting, and people kind of respond well to this, and so they'll ask a question. Okay, I've seen this phrase in English. What does it mean? And that will then kickstart a conversation where other languages are coming in as well, which I think is great.
1: But it is very interesting, and 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 it's something else. I think you do on the website as well. You move more into. Looking at how football can be used to teach non-English languages as well, and how it can be used more from a a multilingual perspective as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we draw on the linguistic repertoires of our, you know, that students, our listeners, the people who are interested? So they've got something to say. If they come into our site, they've got different things to say, whether that be through English or through their own languages as well. Yeah, I think it's it's a great way of doing it. And as I said. When you see someone using one particular language on our site, and you see someone else joining in with that discussion, either adding to it or asking more questions about it, it's great. We had one recently where I, we had um, people asking us about a Spanish phrase, and my Spanish is okay, but not great, and I didn't really know this particular phrase, so I contacted a Spanish friend of mine. And then we also contacted people at uh, Multilingua FC and they came back with some. And then more people joined in with it, giving more examples. And so, just from one particular question, we had lots of different perspectives on it, which I thought was great.
1: It's interesting from a pedagogical perspective as well, though, because historically, Certainly the world of English language teaching is very much seen, you know, you should teach the target language in the target language. But what your the model you've got here, for example, is very much about drawing on those different repertoires, using first language as scaffolding to access the target language. I'm just wondering, do you see that some of your users and people who study elsewhere, there's some some conflict between the way in which they're learning with you guys and how they're learning in their own environments?
2: I think it's really interesting. One of the reasons why we put this thing together as well was that we didn't want to say, today we're going to be looking at this particular target language or this particular aspect of language. Because we thought, well, there's going to be people, we were hoping there was going to be so many people listening with various levels, various kind of knowledge of football, various kind of, in various contexts, whatever. So we thought, well, look, what we're going to do is we're going to put out there a listening text, a listening um, piece where people can kind of do with it what they want to do with it. So for example, here's that we we want to make it as authentic as possible, so it's two people or sometimes more people who come on. We don't mind if they're using anything any kind of language at all to describe the you know the world of football and then it's really can learners take something from this now there's sometimes I think I wonder would would learners like to have that kind of target language focus, but we think no, they can get that elsewhere, and I think here is you know, in a more natural, more authentic way. People can kind of work through it in different ways. I think that's really what we wanted to do. So it's not very structured at all. The tension you mentioned between the way they may be receiving instruction is, I think that's a really important important factor. So maybe we would look at it as almost like, well, look, you have this already. Here's another way that you might want to look at it. And then when we talk about things like motivation, which is a massive impact on language learning, If people are interested in football, they may well spend a little bit more time asking, well, what does that phrase mean? How has that construction been put together? What did they say in that last answer to the question, for example?
0: I I personally think that football has this universal tone, so you can always use it with students from different contexts. So what would you say to teachers, maybe hit teachers and inspectors, if they say that football is not an appropriate subject or English language classroom?
2: This is a really interesting question. My first thought was, well, what is an appropriate subject? And I think this idea of language and content, sometimes seeing it as being separate when, you know, really language makes content. So they're actually looking at language and you just kind of take this idea of football away and say, here's an, uh, here's an example of how language operates, how you can learn more language, how you can become interested in language by going through football or music or fashion or whatever you think is appropriate for them we talked about motivation well, i spoke about motivation before those who are really into football or they are interested or they are aware of can find out something there as well so i think that's interesting i think as i said like football it's not just football but that thing you know does language it uses language to do all different kinds of things it creates uh, we have to explain describe uh, we get very emotional it tells us stories i mean football is a massive narrative it's telling stories all the time there's a beginning of a game an end of a game there's a beginning of a season an end of a season there's a beginning of a tournament and so you could actually follow the good the bad the ugly uh, the heartache you know there's all kinds of things we've also on the site we've covered lots of other issues connected to football so social issues like racism in football i mean basically every week we were almost covering this from different parts of the world. And that kind of provokes a good discussion about, you know, what do we, why is this happening? What does it look like? How can we stop it? You know, those kind of things have been, you know, it's not just, top bins you know a game of two hearts and just football there's other things all around it as well which i think is really important
1: and i guess uh, potentially the the qatar world cup presents further opportunities for talking about some of those difficult issues or taboo issues certainly in the uk there's a big movement against watching a lot of that or even supporting the england team because of the of qatar's position towards things like women's rights and sexuality and these sorts of things so it Again, it's looking at these as an opportunity to talk about issues which are difficult sometimes to talk about in the classroom, but you're almost sort of protected it in a way because you're doing it through the medium of football.
2: Yeah, exactly right, yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see, well, it's, it's interesting already to see how the press reports on it. It's It's, yeah, it's going to be, it's a great opportunity, I think, to discuss all of those issues surrounding the game. Yeah, I think it's going to be great.
1: Is there any other sort of favourite footballing vocabulary that you've got that you think would be useful to share with uh, our listeners around the world?
2: Well, people laugh at the idea of a football cliche, you know, these expressions or sayings that they're so overused that they lose their original impact or they're tired or whatever. But I think they're used in football quite a lot because it's almost part of the because the language of it, the discourse of football, we expect it to see there. It's also quite an emotional game. But I remember I was uh, working in Spain at the time and I was watching a game live and there was a TV commentator from Ireland uh, called Michael Robinson, who was wonderful, wonderful. And he, his Spanish language, when he started, wasn't very good, but he really, really tried to get his ideas across. And at one stage, it became wonderfully fluent later on, of course. Uh, But at one stage, they asked Michael Robinson, Michael, Michael, was that a penalty? Was that a penalty? And he said in Spanish, "Mm, Seis de uno y medio de cena del otro. And myself and my friend was like, an English guy, were like, Did he just translate six of one and half a dozen of the other literally (laughs) into Spanish? And there were people in the bar watching with us going, Okay, what has he just said? And this phrase is now part of Spanish football language, which is fantastic. So I love those kind of things that kind of cross languages and become part of the football discourse as well. So six of one and half a dozen of the
1: other. That's brilliant. It's one in the eye for language prescriptivists who say language should never change and it stays the same. Here is a case in point where someone is creating new forms and and then enters into the mainstream discourse. Fantastic. Brilliant. Damien, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.
0: What I like the most is his enthusiasm and passion when he was talking about the topic. And I think we need more educators who are very passionate about the things they teach because I think students observe that energy. And when you're teaching something that you love with content that you like, I think it, you transfer that for the students. And you Meet lots of students who are interested in football. I've seen that in my profession. I think it's very dynamic and motivating, even for young learners. When you ask them, who's your favourite football player? They always jump and tell you and and give you an answer.
1: So in his interview, Damien also talked about football vocabulary in other languages. And we're going to listen now to a short extract from Sergio Durand, who is the founder of Multilingua, an app which uh, promotes football and the learning of other languages.
4: We started as an app for phones and tablets, but nowadays we also have courses. We have a whole syllabus written for football professionals. We are working with people from many countries using one of your interests, using one of your passions, usually helps you to achieve other things you know i mean i remember i i learned english i mean when i was probably in my teenage years through the music of oasis for example right i mean i used to love oasis and i used all the lyrics and everything to 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 learn english and i learned by myself to be honest we are not just trying i mean in our lessons for example we do not we do not talk just about i don't know uh, cristiano ronaldo and messi and you know, the the usual stuff. Of course, there are some lessons that are about, but the point is um, we, we try to encourage or we try to underline the fact that football can be something that can make people change. In our lessons, we also try to tell stories about, for example, blind football, you know, uh, the football that blind people play, or this Homeless World Cup, or all these institutions and associations that are, making a change through football as a as a factor to to probably change society
0: i really like the idea that language is used to change for change and positive change and i think we managed to uh, cover this in different episodes in this podcast Um, uh, the theme of change and how can you change people's opinions maybe or how can you talk about difficult subjects through different topics that can be of interest of for different kind of people
1: absolutely it's certainly a theme that we'll be exploring in other episodes of this series just before we finish today though uh way i was going to ask you uh sergey mentioned the band oasis in there did you know oasis i mean i I realize i'm closer in age to sergio than than you are and i'm just wondering to what extent you know who oasis are Uh,
0: i don't know but uh in the past as a teenager when i grew up i used to listen a lot to lincoln bark and i used to write every word from their lyrics and that helped me actually to learn a language so you can always use things that you love to learn
1: Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for in episode one of series two of Teaching English with the British Council. We hope you enjoyed it.
0: And please join us in our next episode where we look at how we can use virtual reality to teach English. Until then, goodbye.
1: Teaching English with the British Council series two is hosted by Weam Hamdan. And Chris Souten. The producer is Elizabeth Dyer. Executive producer, Chris Dyer. Salson Aboukara is the Arabic language consultant. Oh, so I'm talking to Sergio later as well, from uh, Multilingua FC. Hey, yeah, Sergio! You've yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> never met him? No, I, I have met him, and, um, but I'd forgotten okay. I'd met him.
0: Teaching English English with the British Council.